believe that you can build an amazing life of significance by serving fewer, wealthier clients extremely well. We also believe you can do it faster and with less effort than you ever thought possible. Let us show you how to race up the hierarchy of advisor success. Welcome to the Preeminent Financial Advisor Podcast. I'm Paul Lofties at CEG Worldwide, and at CEG, the number one coaching firm for financial advisors, we believe you can build and have an amazing life of significance by serving fewer but wealthier clients and doing it extremely well. CEG Worldwide is a coaching firm that helps financial advisors accelerate their success and build simple yet elegant wealth management businesses that are indispensable to the right affluent clients. And I'm Catherine McBreen from CEG Insights. CEG Insights was born of a strategic fusion of two industry powerhouses, Spectrum Group, a leader in affluent investor research, and the research team of CEG Worldwide, the number one coach for financial advisors. With over 20 years of affluent investor research and extensive coaching experience, CEG Insights empowers senior executives to engage with financial advisors, sharing insights and actionable steps for sustainable organic growth. Well, a great big welcome to all of you out there. I am Paul Lofties, co-host of the Preeminent Advisor podcast. And I'm Kathy McBreen. Welcome, everybody. We're glad you're here. Yeah, we're super excited to have uh, you with us here today. We've got some uh, great stuff to talk about. Kathy, today we're going to dive into uh, some of your latest research. Um, and, you know, just what's so exciting to me about these podcasts that I have the privilege to do together with you is, you know, we're sharing these great insights uh, in what advisors can do to really stand out and be preeminent advisors in their community. And it's not just based upon anecdotal evidence, but we've got this great research that you and your team have done in uh, recent months that just really provides some great insights. So really excited to talk about it with you. Great. We're excited too. I mean, we have all kinds of stuff in the pipeline and I'm glad we're moving to this new research today. Um, we'll have more stuff in the future, but this is important to talk about. Yeah. You know, one thing I'd like to make a request that you do some research on is uh, kids starting junior high because uh, my son has started junior high and I have a whole new I have a whole new range of issues that uh, that me and my wife are dealing with that we're that we're trying to work through. So maybe you can maybe you and can new vocabulary for that generation too. So <laughs> keep us up to date on that. Yeah, well, that's going to tie nicely into what we're actually going to talk about today because you do have some great research into generational differences and really how that comes into play when we you know think about being a preeminent advisor and um, you know advising and guiding clients. But the, the special report in the research that we're going to talk about today, and for those of you that are on the visual feed, I've just thrown this up on the camera, is we're going to be talking about uh, some of the insights from our uh, CEG Insights Play to Win report, driving organic growth by helping clients live their best lives. And you know what's interesting about this, Kathy, is being a great advisor today, uh, being a preeminent advisor, is not just about the financial planning. It's yeah. about these other aspects that come into play where clients want want some guidance from, from their advisors. Absolutely. And you know, when our parents and grandparents were getting financial advice, which they probably even didn't have the ability to do that, um, they were really focused on making it to retirement, through retirement. But now people want a more holistic, like, 
I want to go to, I want to have enough for retirement, but these are the things I want to do in retirement. I don't just want to live. And there's a whole lifespan before that, that I want to appreciate and do, do things during. So it's really expanded the, the definition of what retirement is, the definition of what success is, and the definition of planning It's much larger. Yeah. Preeminent advisors, Kathy, are, are those that show clients and show those that they deal with what's possible. And I think a great terminology for, for advisors to think about is not just being an advisor, but being a leader. And, you know, people want to understand, prospects want to understand, you know, what, what's really possible for them in their life? You know, how, how can they really have the best life? Maybe there's things that they haven't even imagined that they, that they could do yet. And so your research really sheds some light on, you know, how valuable clients find, find that relationship. So let's dig in here. Uh, tell us when the research was done that we're going to talk about today. Uh, that's kind of the backbone of, of this report. So this research was conducted in May of this year. Um, it was roughly 1,500-ish um, investors with 100000 to $25 million. And we always skew to the more wealthy side too. And we try to oversample in the wealthier segments. So this is basically people, most of whom are your clients. So yeah. So what does that, when you say you skew to that, what does that, what does that mean, Kathy? We oversample. (laughs) What that means is when you go out into the field, you, you go to, you know, a thousand American households and you're, we, and you pre-qualify them to make sure they have over a hundred thousand dollars. But we try to make sure that we have a larger percentage that have over a million dollars and over so that, because it's easy to get the people from a hundred thousand to a million dollars. So we need to make sure our our research is valid for our particular audience who are financial advisors and providers that we have more people with a million dollars plus in their um, network. Yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. Uh, I mean, because obviously it's insightful when you get any research that tells us this is what, this is what prospects think. This is what the marketplace thinks is important. But, you know, I would guess what somebody that has a net worth between 100,000 and a million thinks is important and what is the best life that's possible for them differs from somebody that's one to 10 million or even 10 million to 25 million. Absolutely. So we see huge differences in that. We see huge differences in our research based on wealth, but more so even on age-based questions too. So that's important too. So we, we sample, we segment all of this into different samples. We segment it into age, we segment it into wealth. We even segment it into gender and occupation. So sometimes you'll see charts that we put up that focus on those different issues. Yeah. Now I know that with your team's research, you've been doing this for many, many years. Um, I get with a specialization really towards the high net worth market. How have you seen investors, uh, you know, that you're sampling change over time when you ask them what what is how, define success? What what have you seen change over time? The biggest thing that I've seen is there's well there's three things going on. One is we see more inherited wealth now than we used to see. You know, they used to talk about the great transformation or the great you know passing of. Well, that's just really starting to happen now. So that's one thing that's changing things. So you have younger people who are wealthier. Um, the second thing that we see is, so millennials, we all have to remember millennials, millennials aren't babies. Millennials are in their early forties and in their thirties. So they're really the ones that are going to be dynamically changing our financial services industry. 
So what they believe is really important. And that way, and what, what I have to say about that is one of the reports that we did a few months, a few years ago, or even a, just about a year ago, we asked them, you know, about certain beliefs. And, you know, the American dream is something that we all, most of us grew up with saying, you know, this generation wants it to have, the wants their children to have a better life. Well, younger millennials don't believe necessarily in the American dream, and they don't necessarily believe that they don't care as much about having families and and a house have, and owning a home. Those things they want to do, but right mm-hmm. now the things that are important to them are being able to do the things that they want to do in their life to have a balance between work and, and life and to have great vacations and great experiences. So it's mm-hmm. a little different than the generations that are both above them. The baby boomers, obviously, the World War II, and even the Gen X. Gen X is always kind of pulled in between baby boomers and millennials they're kind of half and half yeah yeah those are big changes yeah what i know that in one of the reports that you had done recently it's not the one that we're talking through today you had done some demographic uh you know some demographic analysis of you know million to 25 million dollar households based upon generations and you know obviously it used to be heavily skewed towards the greatest generation and uh baby boomers but remind me, where, where did millennials and kind of Generation X fall into today? How, you know, how, how many high net worth households are there in those two generations? Um, I can't tell you the exact number off my top of my head. However, I can tell you that the 10 to 25 million group skews younger. So there yeah. are actually just as many millennials as there are baby boomers in that particular segment. So that has a huge impact on what those people are doing. We always tend to find that the um, people who are retired, I mean, some of them are obviously in that large, that wealthy, wealthy segment, but we also find a lot of them that say people who are over 65 or 75 and older tend to fall in that five to 10 million range. So it's yeah. like they may be people that retired with a significant net worth and they're living off of it. And so they tend to be in the five to 10 million range. And obviously the one to 5 million range has young people in it as well. Excuse young, but yeah. it's just yeah. amazing that we forget that there are just as many millennials. There are actually more millennials in the United States than there are baby boomers now. So yeah, we forget it. Yeah. And for advisors to be preeminent, one of the things that I encourage them to do is move up market, Kathy, is, you know, work with the wealthiest individuals, the ones where you can make the most difference and they can also make the most difference. And, you know, what we see is this kind of 10 to 50 million, especially 10 to $25 million market massively underserved. They're too small for family, you know, their own family office offering. Oftentimes they're entrepreneurial millennials that have basically accumulated most of that net worth in the last five or 10 years. So they kind of have outgrown a lot of their beginning relationships. And it's really where advisors can deliver a lot of value. And I I think that's good framing for the conversation today to understand you know, it, it's important to understand how these generations are are different because if you want to work with that ten to fifty million dollar market, a lot of them aren't the baby boomers and the greatest generation, which and about thirty percent. Sorry to interrupt. About thirty percent have inherited some wealth. Yeah. So they're they have a different expectation of how what they're going to do with that those assets. Yeah. The the reality is, and I can say this, you know, honestly, coming as a past financial services executive for a a large broker dealer network, when we set up kind of our systems and training and psychology towards high net worth clients, highly geared towards uh, the psychology of the baby boomer, (laughs) 
in the greatest generation and uh, not really geared towards some of the things you're going to kind of reveal here in the research that the younger generations identify as being, you know, much, much more important and much more uh, personal to them. So really, really uh, interesting stuff. So how important do you think it is, Kathy, for advisors to understand the differences in how these generations define success and what's important to them to really be an effective advisor? I think it's really important because, you know, the concept that you're just saving for retirement and you want to have a nice retirement isn't what's driving millennials necessarily. Clearly they want to do that, but that's an expectation. Um, it's not, it's sort of like, how do they get from here to there and what's important to them? And, you know, it may be more important to them that they're going to go retire at 55 and go live in Bora Bora. I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. but they have different expectations. They don't think that they're going to be working until they're 65 and then retiring to Florida, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, be, because of their, uh, because of the generational difference and because of the wealth that they've accumulated, they have very personal, very unique opportunities and, you know, goals. And right. it, it's just the, the real opportunity for advisors to be preeminent and connect the dots and play to win is to be a specialist in really identifying what's the unique, what's the unique concern, what's the unique value, unique goal of this individual, and how can I, how can I help meet them? For millennials, it's a big wealth work-life balance issue. And so they want to be able to figure out how to work remotely, how to be able to, I don't know, climb the 14, the 20, 40, 14,000 peaks or whatever it is of the mountains. Um, they want to be able to do all those things while they're working. So that's something that you'll see in the research as we go forward. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump into it and look at um, some of the specific research. For those that are on the, the visual podcast, I'm going to throw this up uh, on the screen. And so, you know, you asked these and you and your team, you asked these folks uh, their definition of success. And again, this is 1,270 investors, all with more than 100,000, but high, highly skewed over a million, all the way up to 25 million. So, yeah, what, what are some things that you and your team noticed here uh, about how the different generations define success? Yeah, well, clearly for those that are don't have the visual and can't even can't necessarily see the visual, I'll talk about what are the totals are first. And then we'll go back and we'll look at them a little bit by um, age segment, because that's what really makes it interesting. The most important thing that most people, the 44.2% of people define success as having integrity, honesty, and ethical behavior in work and life. And I'll tell you that that answer is highly skewed towards the World War II and baby boomer generation. 53% of World War II and 47% of the um, baby boomers believe that that's the most important way to define success. Um, Only 21% of millennials define it as such and 31% of Gen X. The second most common answer, which falls way from 44.2%, actually I'm gonna skip down a little bit, is to 17% is work working hard and persevering. And um, those are pretty, that's a pretty big jump from 44% down to 17%. But that particular um, definition is very important to the Gen X generation at 22%. Um, then it becomes more interesting. 16% of overall investors 
say achieving a healthy balance between family and relationships and work is the most important. And that is skewed to 21% by those who are Gen X. So Gen X finds achieving a, a healthy balance really important. The one that's really interesting though, is if you at 11.2% as a total, making a positive impact on the others in the world is important to these individuals. However, 24.4% of millennials find that to be the most important um, definition of success. And for them, that's more important than all of the other ones we just discussed, more important than having integrity and honesty or working hard or achieving a healthy balance. So those are the most important ones to really understand. They also believe it's very important to the um, millennials focusing on personal growth and development at 16.3%, whereas overall that was only a 6% um, choice for, for investors. So I think that that's, those are really important things to think about because those show some real balance differences. Whereas you, you think of this, well, I always think of the World War II generation as very ethical and honest and really formed by what happened to them in their youth, as we all are, I guess. And um, that becomes less important as you get to the younger generation where they still are good people. They want to make a positive difference in the world, but they also want to have personal growth and development themselves. So it's really a, a skewed value. All these people are good people, right? Everybody wants good things, but they, the way they define it is different. Yeah, yeah. So the way that advisors should think about um, this, you know, this research and this data is, for, you know, every client is unique. Every individual client is is unique. But this does give a nice framework for how the generations kind of view things differently. And so you really want to start thinking about, you know, as a preeminent advisor and when you're dealing with a high net worth individual, kind of looking at it from that framework of what generation are they from? Because that may help me understand some some tendencies. Um, and then, of course, you want to deep dive as much as you can into the individual to find out, you know, the unique things about them. Uh, but most likely a combination of those two things, you know, are, are, are really going to help you better advise and better serve that client. Why do you think, I, I'm just curious, Kathy, again, you mentioned the number one trait for um, baby boomers and the World War II generation were this idea of having integrity, honesty, and ethical behavior in work and life. But then that slides generation by generation <laughs> significantly we should be afraid of or not yeah yeah but I, I, I i'm just curious what do you think that means in terms of how an advisor you know thinks about serving those generations what 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 might be the practical impact of the older generations having a much more higher appreciation for that than the younger generations you know, I think that, well, first of all, some of that comes out of the whole World War II kind of phenomena of the patriotism and stuff that came out of that and slowly started to fall. But I think that also, you know, I would believe that with your World War II generation clients and even some of your older baby boomers, they're a little more hesitant to talk to people about finances, about personal relationships. I mean, that was just culturally something that people weren't as open about in the past. And as the younger generations have come along, this become more and more open. And even as our children were, are learning in schools and stuff today, there's more focus on, you know, learning about yourself and learning how you know, to define your own goals and go after what's right for you. I think that the society in overall was a little stodgier in the past. And so I see that's part of the shift, but we're still bringing, bringing out good people who want to help others, you know, 
there's a new narrative though. It's about, it's a different narrative than what they had when our grandparents were growing up. So I think that's part of it. I think it's just sort of slowly started to change. Yeah. Yeah. I want to dig into two other of the findings here that are very, very significant, I think, as it relates to, you know, generational differences on what it means to have the best life and how they define success. And so it was interesting when you look at the um, millennials making a positive impact on others in the world, um, about a quarter of them rank that as being, I think, the most important thing to them. Uh, that's a really high number. <laughs> yeah, that's that, more than having integrity, honesty, yeah. and behavior. Yeah, yeah. That, in fact, that was the highest for that age group, making a positive impact on others in the world. So what you know, what do you what are some practical implications of that for advisors that are working with, you know, with with millennial clients? You know, we see a lot of interest, obviously, in more well, first charitable contributions, those types of charitable charitable trusts, all of that. So advisors need to be for these wealthy, super wealthy um, young people. They need, they want to talk about those things as well as you know other ways that may be impact investing. It may be other types of investments that you know you usually don't that a lot of people have never had a lot of interest in. So I think that that's something that you really need to be keyed into, um, as well as being willing to talk to them about it. I mean. Mm -hmm. If you see the second most important or the third most important one to that age group is focusing on personal growth and development. And some of that has to do with, you know, they may want to go to Borneo and, you know, carry water for a year. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, but talking to them about what's important and, and it may be health related goals as well, but it's just a different conversation than you're going to have with your World War II clients who, well, obviously they're at a different stage in their life, but even the older baby boomers who just really want to be set financially and make sure that they're going forward. Mm -hmm. These young people, they have a whole different um, framework of what they want to accomplish. Yeah. And the way that this really ties back into uh, being a preeminent advisor is for this generation, the role of the advisor is much greater than just the financial planning. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're telling us right here that really the purpose of their wealth and the way that they define success is their ability to impact to impact the world. And, and so, you know, they're really looking for leadership. They're looking for us to understand, you know, what, what are the ways that they want to do that and actually lead them, you know, lead, lead them to where they can have a greater impact. So the, how would ahead, you ask those questions? How would you get to those questions for these investors? Well, I would, you, what you want to do is in your discovery, Kathy, is, is you want to ask open-ended questions a lot of advisors over the years have been uh, trained to ask the question. I think this originated back in the day with Bill Backrack about what uh, you know wh what's important about money to you. And I think all financial advisors are familiar with kind of that line of questioning as part of a discovery to try to find out, you know, what what's an underlying core value as it relates to money. But I think with uh, the millennial group you want to ask the same question about success. What does success mean to you? And why is, you know, and drill down into that. Why is that important to you? And just keep drilling down. You just really want to find out what it is that's driving them and, uh, you know, where they, where they want to make a difference, um, how they're doing that. Kathy, the other finding here as it relates to generations that I thought was just super, super interesting is generation X 
on achieving a healthy balance between family relationships and work. So this was at or near the highest for, for that group. And just why do you think that is so high for this group as compared to maybe others? I think it's because they're in the middle of it. Um, because, you know, millennials, even though I say they're in their early 40s, most of them are still in their 30s. So people who are Gen Xers, they're right at that point where their kids are like driving them crazy. They're probably starting to go to college and demanding lots of money. Um, they probably have older parents that may be getting ill or that they have to take care of. So even though for a long time, the baby boomers were the sandwich generation, that's now shifted obviously. And the Gen Xers are now part of the sandwich generation. And they really have all these demands, both financially, but they also want to be able to enjoy their life. It's it's crazy for them right now. Yeah. So that's you know, Kathy, I'm a generation Xer. So I, I identify with all of that. I've got young kids. I got older parents I take care of. And, you know, I, I hope this doesn't come across wrong, but I, I think it's just having a good uh, a good handle kind of on the identity of how a lot of people think in my generation. You know, we're a very selfish generation in, in the sense of we tend to think about things very much from, uh, you know, our, our own perspective. And, you know, what what is this going to mean for me? I, I I have got to make things work on my own is kind of how my generation thinks. And I think that's really revealing here in that achieving balance between, uh, you know, work-life balance is number one for our generation. Yet for the millennials that follow us, it's not that harmony, but it's rather what can they do for others? <laughs> you know, it's what impact can they have on, on others and on the world? And again, for preeminent advisors, this is just good framing to understand that, uh, you know, Generation Xers tend to be very much more about the work-life balance, about uh, independence, you know, you know, freedom. How can I achieve that for myself and my family? And, uh, you know, the millennials tend to be a little bit more altruistic with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, wanting to accomplish, you know, bigger things for others uh, and for the world. And, you know, we always define it, we define it here as a generational thing, but in some ways it's a life cycle issue as well, because yeah. Gen Xers are right into that life cycle. When I was in the middle of that life cycle right then, I couldn't wait till my kids were old. I was thinking, I would think, oh, I can't wait till my kids are older and I can like come home at night and I have to like, then go through homework and do all this stuff. And now I miss it. Of course, now they're, now they're in college and older. So it's like, yeah, now I miss all that. But when you're in the middle of it, it's like, oh my God, how am I going to make it through the next five years? So that's yeah. where- the next are right now. Yeah. So I want to jump back to you, you, you know, you asked, how would I identify this or how, you know, how would you capitalize on this? And I think the great framing for today's discussion, again, you know, preeminent advisors, those are going to play to win, be a leader, you know, don't be afraid to move up market to these higher net worth clients. Uh, higher net worth clients are disproportionately becoming, you know, uh, generation X, uh, millennials, as opposed to just the the baby boomers, so you're going to be kind of operating uh, within the framework of some of these, uh, you know, some of these perspectives that these generations have, and you then want to kind of you know drill in with what's really important to them with that that background. And so, like I mentioned before, the discovery interview, Kathy, is just so important. We can't assume that everybody's got the same you know, the same goals, values, and kind of frame for how they're looking at everything. 
these generational tendencies, you know, really give us some insight, but you want to really see how they apply to the individual. So open-ended questions. How do you define success in your life? What does success mean to you? You know, if you looked back 10 years from now and you define the last 10 years of success, what would have to happen? These types of things really allow advisors to, you know, get into the mindset of the client um, and, and, you know, and not just the nuts and bolts of the financial planning. And it's really important because, again, clients are looking to us to provide them guidance on, you know, how they can, you know, how they can be successful in these areas that's just outside wealth. I think it's also important to continue the conversation. I mean, it's important to do it at discovery, but it's important to continue the conversation because goals can change. Sometimes, like I will say to my kids, real life steps in and they have to realize that they're not going to be able to take these fantastic vacations every year of their lives when they have children, you know, um, it's just that what they value may change or what they want to do may change or they, something may change health-wise or a family issue may occur, you know, so it's, you have to keep asking. You have to ask every time to see if they're on track, if that's something that they're still interested in, or maybe they've changed their mind, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, probe, you know, in the initial discovery or when they're doing, uh, you know, kind of the rediscovery touch base, you know, probe, uh, you know, go a little bit deeper, you know, ask them, well, you know, why is that important to you? Or why does that mean so much to you? Uh, because we really want to get a fuller picture. And, I can't emphasize this enough that there's just such a need for leadership out there and that oftentimes when we probe into these questions and we get clients to open up, it's so important for, it's important for me as an advisor and for our listeners as advisors, because it starts to give us really insight and context into where we might be able to lead someone and for them even to kind of open the conversation into where they might be able to go. You know, somebody says, uh, well, you know, I think doing some mission work in uh, the third world is is important. Drill into that. Drill, drill into that. Why is that important? You know, what led you to that? Um, you know, what you know, what have you looked into so far? I mean, that type of stuff really just starts to reveal and peel back layers on the onion that's going to help the advisor be a leader and help a client understand what's what's impossible. Or excuse me, not what's impossible, but what is possible. Yeah. And don't forget to ask important questions. Like, for example, we had a financial advisor for a while and he he only always commented that our expenses were high, but he never once asked us about why. And he didn't realize that we were spending, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars in private school tuition. Right. So those are the things. And that was important to us that the, our kids went to that particular school. So those are the questions you have to make sure you're looking at somebody and, and thinking thinking about what's not coming together and why, and then asking them the right questions, because otherwise it seems like you don't really care. And it's more like you're critical as opposed to supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation today. I love this, this research. And we've got some more in our next episode that we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about some gender differences and just, you know, some really, really interesting stuff that, you know, gives us perspective in how people are defining success, how they're thinking about what's important to them. Uh, but again, I'd like to conclude with the framing today for our listeners is um, th this research, again, was the 100,000 to 25 million, but heavily skewed towards the millionaire market, right? Yep. And, if, and if advisors want to work there, increasingly, 
that group is not just baby boomers or World War II, it's Generation X, uh, millennials, and they define success very differently. Um, and to remind our audience, what did you find unique, Kathy, about the millennials? The millennials have different values. I mean, they're more, they're more, they want to give away more money. Um, they want to contribute more to the world, but they also want to be focused on their own personal goals as opposed to the traditional goals of the baby boomers in World War II. Yeah. And Generation X is very, very into uh, work life balance. I think some of that comes from just the period of time that uh, we grew up in. A lot of uh, latchkey kids, we got to kind of uh, figure stuff out on our own. Um, but also, as you pointed out, sandwiched right now between kind of raising kids and taking care of parents and just a real cry for, you know, I, I got to have some balance and some, you know, some some independence and some freedom <laughs> in my life because I'm being pulled on in a lot of different directions. And uh, so our high net worth clients that are in these age demographics, you know, these are really important things to consider. So what we want to do as advisors is make sure that we're, we, we know that in the background, we're drilling down, having deep conversations with them in our discovery, probing and figuring out what's really, really important to them. And I think if advisors do that, they're going to have a lot of success. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that will wrap this episode of the Preeminent Advisor podcast. We look forward to catching you on the next episode. I'm Paul Loftis. And I'm Kathy McBreen. Thanks so much for watching.